Stories, fables, ghostly tales. What do I have in store for you, my creepy ghouls and ghasts? A set of unique listener horror stories, accounts, and poems, plus a creepypasta. Welcome, listeners, to a jam-packed episode. Let me give you a taste of what's to come today. Our first listener story is by Anna, who shares a true horror encounter with a black entity. We also have a set of dark poems by Shigi that will have you thinking and your skin crawling. And a scary listener story titled Wicked Smile by Felicia Dearman that you won't soon forget. And the creepypasta is My Soul is in a Paper Lantern by Tobias Wade. Yes, as I mentioned, jam packed for my awesome listeners. So turn off the lights, turn up the sound, and let's get ready for something different. My Story by Anna So, I went to wilderness therapy last year for over three months. It's a place called Wingate. I live next to the office now by the entrance of the Grand Escalant Staircase in Canab. I know this discredits my story because I might be some teen who made this up, but I can leave it up to you if you want to believe me or not. I wrote this down in my composition book the day after it happened. Everything in brackets is things I've added for today's context. Day 63 in my composition book. Something strange happened last night. We got to put up camp pretty early. It was only a 3.6 mile hike. To be fair, it's the shortest one we had that week. On the hike, I picked up an elk antler and a spearhead. A girl told me not to pick it up, but I did it anyway. I don't believe in all that dumb stuff about ghosts and abnormalities. Well, I didn't. That's why I always read horror because I thought it was funny. It's not funny when it happened to you. At camp, all was normal. I made a fire with a bow and drill, and set up my sleep stuff at the end of the sleep line, which is exactly how it sounds where we slept in a line. I read my new letters and looked at the spearhead. I believe it was made out of obsidian, but I buried it far, far away this morning. After we ate and did things, we went to bed. Not before talking about stupid things that we shouldn't have been talking about. I got up to pee when everyone was asleep, and this is when things got bad. I brought a pot light, where you put embers and sticks in a pot and use it like a flashlight, and a used paracord to guide me back. I peed and tried to find my way back, but the paracord had been sabotaged. I was very scared and I tried my best to find my way back to the camp, but I couldn't find my way for a while. Whilst I was looking for camp, I heard someone calling my name. Anna. Anna. I shouted back and headed towards the sound. I saw a shadow and called out to it. It didn't respond. I laughed uneasily and got closer. <laughs> the shadow was not one of the girls in my group, nor the staff. This was an all-girls group. So what I saw was certainly not one of us. 
it was just a blob of black. Blacker than its surroundings, even though the moon was very small still. It growled. I screamed and ran as fast as I could. I found camp and made the fire huge, so it would light up the surroundings. The shadow was still there. I sat there all night watching. I was so tired, so very tired. KJ, my therapist, told me that it was my imagination. I know it wasn't. Everyone laughed at me when I told them what happened. I'm never picking up any relics or any of that haunted shit again. I know what I saw was real, and I'm so scared. This was the first and last time I saw it, but others besides myself saw it too. And this concludes Anna's story. Thank you so much, Anna, for sending this in. And I hope whatever's been haunting you is long gone by now. Keep safe, Anna. We have four poems that have been sent in that I can't wait to share with you. Corporate Games Life is ruled by what we believe. It shows in the stares of those who perceive. They perceive my shallow, vain misrepresentation because I present myself to take their attention. My presentation is ignorant, shallow, and vain. In reality, I'm smarter than them, and on to their game. They manipulate, twist, lie, and steal, but no one expects it's me that they feel. Feel behind them with a knife to their back, or a noose to wrap around their neck. Whatever way to get ahead, life is a game. Forget what I said. Lust Puppets The dark puppets play, as she sits, as she prays. They dance around, as she puts on her crown. They will lead her astray, they will make her their prey. They whisper in her ear, things she shouldn't hear. She nods and agrees, at the thought that will please. The puppets make her shy, they also make her sigh. They are puppets of pleasure with the strings of leisure. They have a master of lust who craves the queen's trust. They draw her closer to their life of exposure. People gather round, taking looks at her crown when the puppet master comes around. He will bring her down. Beautiful Wish Such a beautiful wish for things to be different, to play them out with what you know now. But the stage has been set, and the act is long over. The only wish you can oblige is the one for the future. The regrets start to flow as you think, as you ponder. What would have been better? Would I have been stronger? As you wonder, it finally comes, the voice inside that leads to the calm. Regret not the things you learn from, it whispers in the wind, for these things have changed you. You continue to listen in, you're stronger and wiser, it says with a grin, but all you can think is, does it ever end? As the voice dissipates back in the wind, all you are left with is a beautiful wish. The Ice Key 
Along the journey, you notice you've grown cold. The ice has begun to take over your soul. Nothing is thought until it's too late. In your ice prison, you now wait. The happy pleasures life usually brings begins to be fewer and much farther between. Then one day, a person so special walks right in. How did that happen? With the truth be told, you're happy they did. Healing can start, but where to begin? You are not lost, neither are you scared. Pick a spot, it matters not where. Warmth closes in, your heart breaks free. Now the ice chamber has left you to be. It melted away, but left you the key. The little things now seem much more to thee. Although you kept it locked way up high, there is a constant reminder, the key that won't die. This key, this reminder, could be so much. It's not always a sign of bad luck. Sometimes the prisons that hold us in are self-created by the ice we let win. Wicked Smile by Felicia Dearman I had just arrived home and walked into my room exhausted from a busy day of work. As I entered my room, before I could flick on the light, I see white, jagged teeth. It's the only thing visible. The corners of its mouth raised up with the most horrifying smile I'd ever witnessed. I hear the cracking of bones as the smile grew bigger, closer, and even more sinister. Unable to retain my footing as this smile reaches my threshold, I fall onto my bed and without thinking, hide myself under the blanket, somehow believing it would protect me. I feel long bony fingers move up my leg as my bed creaks from the weight pressing down on the bed frame by this creature and its monstrous form. Am, Am I, I going, going to, to die? die? I say, with these words echoing in my mind. I hear a gurgling noise coming from it as its face moves closer to mine. With just a thin layer of blanket separating us, the fear is unbearable. I feel so trapped. It lets out a loud, demonic screech before I feel its hands or claws begin moving towards my neck. Before I could do anything, it had me by the throat. I'm lifted above my bed, causing the blanket to fall. Even as I'm being choked, I gasped when I saw this monster. A seven-foot-tall man, or what remains of a man, stood in front of me. He was growling and gurgling as he gave me another smile, his teeth looking even sharper as he hungrily snarled at me lowering me until he could bite into my neck. The disgusting noises grew louder, but I felt no pain. Then, everything goes quiet. I open my eyes and pop up. Nothing but a pitch black room. It was a dream. It had felt and sounded so real. I get up and walk to my bathroom. I look where I thought he had bit me, but I didn't see anything. As I'm looking at the mirror, I notice something I hadn't before. My teeth are looking very jagged and sharp. I give a soft giggle, <laughs> unable to contain myself. 
I stare into the mirror and at myself and smile brightly. That's one wicked smile. My soul is in a paper lantern. Do you know what it's like to live without a soul? Because I do. It's like watching a romantic movie that is so perfect you find yourself falling in love with the character. Then the lights come on and you suddenly remember that person doesn't exist. And even if they did, they would never care that you exist. It's like running the wrong way on a racetrack. It doesn't matter whether you ever finish or not because everyone else has already crossed the line and gone home. You've run farther than anyone else. Your legs are in agony and there's fire in your lungs. But you're still running because you're afraid of the silence when you finally stop. Living without a soul is sitting in the eye of the hurricane. Life is moving all around you and sometimes it feels like you're part of it when it passes too close. But in the end, nothing and no one can ever move you. And though the wind howls fierce in its savage glory and sweeps all the world from under your feet, you'll never know what it feels like to join that wild dance. And that's okay. You tell yourself that at least you won't be hurt, like all those other fragile humans burdened with their souls. But deep down, you wish you could feel that hurt, just for a moment. Just so once in your life, you know there's something important enough to be hurt over. I lost my soul when I was only six years old. My father didn't want me. My mother told me so. She said I was the reason that he left, and I believed her. I was in first grade at the time, and our class project was to make a paper lantern which was closed at the top. The hot air from the candle was supposed to lift the lantern, although mine wasn't sealed properly and couldn't leave the ground. I was getting really frustrated. And after the fourth or fifth attempt, I got so mad that I actually ripped the whole thing to shreds. My teacher, Mr. Hansbury, a gentle dumpling of a man with a bristly moustache, squatted down next to me and gave me the lantern he had been building. I was so mad that I was about to destroy that one too. But he sat me down and said, Do you know what I love most about paper lanterns? They might seem flimsy, but when they fly, they can carry away anything that you don't want anymore. You can put all your anger into one of these, and the moment you light the candle, it's going to float away and take that anger with it. That sounded pretty amazing to me at the time. I settled down to watch him glue the candle into place, concentrating all my little heart on filling the lantern with my bad feelings. It started off with just the anger at the project, but one bitterness led to the next, and by the time Mr. Hansberry was finished, I'd poured everything that I was into the paper. All the other class lanterns only hovered a few feet off the ground, but mine went up and up and on forever, all the way to the top of the sky. The other kids laughed and cheered to see it go, and my teacher put his hand on my shoulder and looked so proud. 
but I didn't feel much of anything. How could I? With my soul slowly disappearing from view. I remember asking Mr. Hansberry if I could go home and live with him after that, but he said he didn't think my mother would like that. I told him that she would, but he still said no. I don't suppose it would have mattered one way or the other though, because it was too late to take back what I did. There's something else besides the numbness that comes when your soul is gone. I didn't see them the first night, but I could hear them breathing when I lay down to sleep, soft as the wind, but regular and calm like a sleeping animal. I sat and listened in the darkness for a long while. Covers clutched over my head. The breathing seemed so close, I could feel its warmth billowing under the sheets. I cried for what seemed like hours, but mum didn't come, and I was too afraid to get out of bed. I don't think I fell asleep until it was light outside. Mum was angry at me in the morning for keeping her awake. She'd heard me, but she thought I would give up eventually. I didn't get breakfast that day, and I didn't mention the breathing again. That was only the beginning. I think a soul does more than help you appreciate the things around you. It also protects you from noticing the things you aren't supposed to see. And with it gone, they were everywhere. Beady eyes, glinting from under the sofa, a dark flash at the corner of my eye, scuffling in the drawers, and late night knockings on doors and windows. I never got a good look at them, but they were always watching me. I'd wake up in the middle of the night and feel their weight all over my body, pinning me down. Rough skin against me, dirty fingers digging into my nose and mouth. Worse still, their touch penetrated my mind inserting thoughts so vile that I knew they couldn't be my own. Although the longer they were in my head, the more difficult it was to be certain of that. Did I want to insert a needle into my eye and see how far it would go? Probably not. Then why could I not stop thinking about it? Were they making me think about beating my classmates into bloody pulps? Or setting fires to people's homes to watch them weep on the sidewalk? Or was that all? From me? The first nights I lay awake and cried to myself, but I soon learned to be more afraid of my mum than I was of the creatures, as much as I hated the shadows. They never hit me after all. I wouldn't call it living, but I continued to exist for years like that. During the day I kept to myself, exhausted and numb, all colours seemed muted except for the glittering eyes which tracked me from unlikely crevices, all sounds muffled but their scrapings and breathings. The only times I could really feel was when I was laying awake in the darkness, but these were the times I wish I felt less. Neither screams nor silence brought any comfort from the intrusive probings, and my mind was flooded with persistent images of violence, self-destruction and despair. Over time, I found the trick to help me get through the insufferable nights. I convinced myself that my body was not my own, and that nothing it felt could do me harm. The real me was flying safe somewhere high up in the sky inside a paper lantern, and no matter what happened to my flesh, no matter what my flesh did to anyone else, that had nothing to do with me. I kept everything below the surface as best I could until I was 14 years old. 
By then, I'd lost all ability to distinguish the origin of my thoughts. All I knew was that I wanted to hurt someone, hurt them as badly as I wanted to be hurt in return. I picked fights at school. I pushed my classmates around, and they stayed clear of me. I once drove a pencil into someone's hand when they weren't looking, grinding it back and forth to make sure the tip broke off inside the skin. I heard the creatures snickering at that, but it was a disdainful kind of laugh. When I was called into the principal's office afterward, I was surprised to see Mr. Hansbury there too. The principal was all rage, lecturing me and stamping around like the Spanish Inquisition. Mr. Hansbury didn't say much. He just looked tired and sad. He didn't speak up until the principal dismissed me, at which point he put his hand on my shoulder and leaned in real close to ask, Have you looked for it? I didn't have the faintest idea what he meant. I gave him a stare that a marble statue would find cold. Your lantern. Did you ever try to get it back? I told him to go fuck himself. Ugh. I'm sorry for telling you to send it away, he added, gripping my shoulder to stop me from leaving. I thought it would be easier than facing it, but I was wrong. People can't hide from themselves like that. The pencil was good, but it wasn't enough. My thoughts matched the sardonic tone of the laughter, mocking me for my pitiful attempt. As the creatures crawled over me at night, and their intentions mingled with my own. I decided to bring a knife next time. I considered a gun too, but resolved that it wasn't personal enough. I'd rather look into one person's eyes when the blade slipped into them than shoot a dozen scurrying figures from a distance. And what happened to me afterward? It didn't matter. Because the real me was safely floating in the breeze a thousand miles away. It wasn't going to be at school this time. I wanted to take my time and not be interrupted. Instead, I went out at midnight, the taste of those dirty fingers still fresh in my mouth. I didn't care who my victim was, as long as they could feel what I was doing to them. My neighborhood was kind of quiet at night, and there weren't a lot of options, though. So I decided to head down to the 24-hour gas station on the corner. Kitchen knife gripped between my fingers, cold air filling my lungs, goading laughter and applause from the creatures thick around me in the darkness. I almost felt alive there for a second, just like I did with the pencil. But this would taste better. Holding the knife, I felt like a virgin on prom night, with my crush slowly unzipping my pants. I wasn't in the eye of the storm anymore. I was... The storm. And tonight would be the night that I saw a paper lantern floating in the air just a few feet off the ground. The shell was so filthy and stained that I could barely see the light inside. It was impossible for the fragile thing to have survived all these years. More impossible still, for the single candle to have burned all this time, but I knew without a doubt that it was my light by the way the creatures howled. They hated it with a passion, and would have torn it to shreds if I hadn't gotten there first. 
I plucked the lantern from the air and guided it softly to the ground. The shades, screeching as they whirled around me, feral animals cowled by the miraculous flame. Holding the lantern close, I found the note that was attached. I found this in the woods. Took a couple of days to find it. Signed, Mr. H. I collapsed on the sidewalk, trembling for all the time I'd spent away from myself, blubbering and sobbing like an idiot, until the flame gutted out from my tears. The howling creatures reached a feverish pitch and then silence, all rising together into the sky with the last wisps of curling smoke from the lantern. It hurt like nothing I'd felt in years, but it was a cleansing kind of hurt. I didn't hide from it. I didn't send it away. I didn't drown it with distractions or fight its grip on me. I won't go so far as to say that pain is a good thing, but it is undeniably a real thing. And I'd rather hurt than send it away to live with the hole it leaves behind. Holy moly, my listeners always bring their A-game. I just love the stories my listeners submitted for today's episode. Just brilliant. We had dark entities, creepy and beautiful poems, teethy nightmares to keep me smiling, and a unique story about a person's soul that was almost lost forever. That soul story reminds me of the Simpsons episode where Bart Simpson sells his soul I'll never forget the moment you see Bart with those cat eyes. <laughs> Scared me senseless as a kid. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And of course, a big thank you to Anna, Shiki, Felicia Dearman, and Tobias Wade for their stories. And a huge thank you to all of you who have left the podcast and iTunes review. Big hugs from me. And if you get the chance, let your friends and family know about the podcast and ask them if they have any stories of their own to send my way. I'm not sure if all of you know this, but I really love listener stories. <laughs> okay, have a fantastic night or day. And as always, till next time.